0: Hey, security peeps, we are live again breaking into cybersecurity in Hacker Valley Studio, breaking LinkedIn, baby, for the <laughs> second week in a row. Yes. We are excited. It is super early on the West Coast, it's early on the East Coast. <laughs>
1: The sun is just coming up. You know, folks out
0: here, <laughs> Exactly. Chris Co- Cochran is, is in his mansion, looking at us from you know
2: <laughs>
0: that big, huge that you can't even call that a yard. What's that? A golf course he has going on <laughs> behind him.
1: It's just a nine-hole golf course. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> a, a, a little
0: something. A lot. I, I just joked around that they're paying y'all too much out there. You know, we, we gotta, we gotta start. We gotta make our way over to the West Coast. Like we're slumming it over here in the DC area. So, oh, I am Renee Small from Breaking Into Cybersecurity. I will let all these wonderful folks introduce themselves. So, Chris Cochran, you want to go go for it? I guess we'll go around the real circle this time.
1: Yeah, let's do a real circle.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, how's it
1: going, everybody? Chris Cochran from Hacker Valley Studio. Uh, lead Threat Intelligence at Netflix, and I've been in cybersecurity for about 12 years.
3: Cool. Good morning and happy Friday, everybody. This is Ron Eddings from Hacker Valley Studio, also security architect and security architect manager at Palo Alto Networks.
2: Hi, I'm Chris Wallone, senior security consultant with Grimm, and my sidekick right here. Um, Been in IT and security for the past 12 or 14 years, something like that. Lots of (laughs) count.
0: So I get to hang out with all these. See, I think women in America are like, you know, I get all of this this, this handsomeness <laughs>
2: early in the morning.
0: <laughs> I like being the queen of this little show we got going
1: you on. Are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yes, indeed.
0: Get a lot of love in the security space. Um, so today we are going to talk about all of our different um, paths to security. One of the things that comes up quite often is, Especially from, well, we get it from two different groups. We get it from people fresh out of school, I call early career talent. So you're real newbies, you know, fresh out of college. And then we get folks who are transitioning. So people who have been attorneys and have been, you know, in other areas, have been librarians, have been sales folks in different other industries, and they transition over into security. And so we've all learned that there's no one path. There's multiple different paths to security. So chris cochran said why don't we all talk about our paths to this space um to kind of share with people and let people know that there's not one way to get here so who wants to start
3: so i say let the guy with the idea go <laughs> let's, let's I, I, that. I knew that was gonna happen you i knew it. it i was like Volunteer i'm gonna
1: wait to the, the end and i'm gonna close the show with some amazingness but now i'm not prepared uh no so uh I, my story actually began right around high school. We had just uh, transferred uh, from one school to another. It was my 10th grade year. And I had missed the cutoff for this uh, program where folks in my high school were getting their CCNA. And so I, a lot of my friends, they were doing all this computer stuff. I'm like, hey, how, how do I get in this computer stuff? This se- stuff seems so cool. And they were like, oh, just go, go, go get a book. And so I was like, oh man, now I got to get a book. My mom gave me $75 for back to school money, you know, being in a new school and everything. And I took that money and I spent everything on an A plus CompTIA book. And I was like, nice. I got a book. My mom was mad. Maybe she's okay with it now. But uh, it was uh, it was crazy because I read it like a novel. I just read page after page after page. And so I would come and I'd see my friends and I'd ask questions and it'd be like, man, you're really picking this stuff up. I'd, I started tinkering around, taking old computers apart, seeing how they work, seeing the different components and stuff like that. And it had largely died um, between high school and a little bit of college. And when I went in to join the Marine Corps, <clears throat> I, uh, I scored pretty well on the ASVAB. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to do this thing called intelligence. I, I think I'm a, a decently intelligent guy. You know, Maybe I could do something in intelligence. And then I finally uh, got into my job role and things like that. And come to find out there's an aspect of intelligence that is concerned with computers. And so I, I finally got to to stoke that fire of my love for technology and computers. And I did stuff for the government. I was at United States Cyber Command for about five years uh, doing threat intelligence type stuff. And then I'd broken into the commercial space by building my own company. Um, I'd say that is one of the quickest ways I learned about cybersecurity, about business, was building my own thing. And so that's why one of the, the pieces of advice I give folks is to build a project or start their own thing in order to like really like learn about the nuances of whatever you're trying to get into. And so, you know, I was at Mandian for a little bit. I did a Booz Allen stint. And then ultimately ended up at Netflix, you know, one of the, the best companies in the world in tech. And uh, it's been it's been amazing.
3: That's an amazing background. When you when you describe all of those companies and and that journey, I'm always so curious about, like, how did you find those opportunities? Like, even when you told me you were going to Netflix, I was like, wow, like. I never even thought of applying at Netflix. How'd you find (laughs) all those opportunities?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, it's a mixed bag. So sometimes I went out looking for a better opportunity. Maybe it was a niche I was trying to get into, but a lot of times opportunities come to me. I I pride myself on my ability to connect with people. And so I connected with Alex years before that he even reached out to me to come join Netflix. And so, you know, Network is so important, and I, I can't foot stomp that enough. You know, talking to people, you know, connecting with people, and not, not connecting with people because you need something, like genuinely have deep connections with folks, and they'll think of you whenever opportunities arise.
0: That's such a good point that you make um, to really define your network or to start networking way before you need an opportunity um, because. When you already have this group of people that are interested and are know you and know your background, it gets to a point where you don't have to apply. You know, people are just automatically reaching out to you saying, hey, you'll be good for this. Or you. It's the person reaching out is usually me. <laughs> hey, you'll be a good fit for this role. You know, like, what are you doing right now? Or come take a look at this job or come take a look at this opportunity. And it usually comes from... A year before, two years before of, or multiple years before of networking and connecting with people in organizations, in um, nonprofit, in the nonprofit space, just in the community of being with folks that are your peers. Or some people are going to be the people that you'll learn as, and especially for folks who are breaking in and people who are more seasoned know this: you'll manage somebody today, and the next minute they're hiring you, you know, and then you're working under them. And that happens all the time and you're super small world. And it's all like interconnected. And in some instances, you know, like you're the person on top. And in the other instance, that person is bringing you in to work for them Um, and, or you're their peer or there's all of this stuff that happens. um, And it's purely around being in the community, networking, um, showcasing your abilities, and all that other good stuff. So thanks Chris for, for making that point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and uh, just to let everybody know, go ahead and drop your questions in the comments. I'm actually monitoring it and not, not having Renee read everybody's stuff.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's what's your, what's your backstory?
3: For me, it's uh, I want to say a little similar in some regards as Chris, but very different also. Um, I got started at a very early age also, Um, I didn't get my first computer, like family computer, until I was around 14. Um, But when I got it, I got immediately hooked. And I would like love to stay connected with my friends on AOL, Instant Messenger. Everybody knows about that. So uh, one day, me and my friends, we used to like be in chat rooms and whatnot. So uh, I got a stray message from someone random. And if anyone has used AOL Instant Messenger before, there was a feature called uh, like direct message where you could send files and whatnot. And this person sent me a direct, uh, it wasn't a direct message. It was like a different feature, but either way it allowed you to send files. And this person sent me a file and all of a sudden my CD drive started opening up and my computer started restarting. And I was like, what is going on and how is this even possible? But I knew it was that cause really right after that happened, um, Like I had these restarts and everything started acting weird. So when my computer finally stopped acting crazy, I came back online and I messaged the person. I was like, how did you do that? I got to know. And surprisingly, they told me exactly how. They were using this uh, software called ProRat. Uh, Old school rat back in the day, but it taught me a lot about how remote access tools work. And I kind of just snowballed from there. I started learning about Java didn't really have any success there. I really just bought the books, stared at them, and didn't make any progress. Then um, started learning about Python. Same thing happened. Started reading the book, but nothing was really clicking. Um, ultimately, it started taking some, uh, started working at this uh, public access channel. And surprisingly, Marcus Carey walks into this public access channel. He's uh, author of Tribe of Hackers. And I'm around 17, 18 years old, and I'm reading this Cisco networking book. And he's, he asked me, he's like, hey, I see you reading this book. You know, what do you know about cybersecurity? I didn't know much, and I was like, but I am a hacker. I told him proud, and I was like, I'm a hacker. And he asked me to type in some commands. And that was the first time I had ever typed in like a Linux command in front of anyone. I I didn't even know (laughs) anyone that knew Linux. Like uh, a lot of people in my high school, they weren't uh, into programming or technology. So I was really doing this with public resources and random people that I met on forums and chat rooms. Uh, But Marcus Carey was like really the first person I met in cybersecurity and he laid the path out for me. He told me, you got to get these specific certifications. You got to start going to uh, job fairs. You got to start doing all the things that a professional would do to get a career in cybersecurity. So I really uh, embodied that and just ran with it. And he was he was very right, very correct. So uh, I started community college at AACC in Maryland. Shout outs to anybody from Maryland on the on the stream. Um, And my first instructor, his name was Chad Price, also a very active member in cybersecurity in the cleared space. uh, He was working at Booz Allen and he mentioned, hey, you know, there's no age limit on when you can start working. You can start working immediately if you want. Um, But, you know, there's certain things that you got to get better at. I see that you're a know-it-all. That's not a good look. You got (laughs) to suppress that (laughs) and really get good at these things that you think you're good at already. So, I took around like one month just sharpening my skills and I came prepared for the interview. And Booz Allen was the start of my professional cybersecurity career. And from there, just had a lot of success uh, from leveraging my mentors, my network, leveraging people like Chris uh, when he moved to California. You know, we're now best friends, collaborative partners, and building a platform together. Now we have you two in our lives. So I think, you know, the journey continues now like creating more best friends and more people that want to make an impact and Aww. a change in cybersecurity. I'm
0: touched.
3: <laughs> <I know.
0: laughs> hard string touch.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Hey hey Ron, that, that's great. Thanks for sharing and thanks for being vulnerable about saying that, you know, the folks thought you were a know it all. I'm sure there are people that have, you know, a chip on their shoulder. Maybe they they've you know, brought themselves up in some ways. And so they have a a bit of maybe maybe insecurity about, you know, what they're able to do. And so they kind of come off as 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 cocky or anything like that. What would you have to say to those people that they're like, you know, I I want people to see that I'm great, but I don't want to show any of my weaknesses. What would you say to those people?
3: I would say realize when someone's bringing a message to you. Um, when I was first told I was a know-it-all, my ego did take a personal attack to that. It was, I, I was very offended. I didn't know how to respond. But I was only called out on that because I was given suggestions by someone that just wants to make sure that I get better. So I would say if if uh, you ever find yourself in this position where maybe you feel like you're coming off as a know-it-all or someone has called you that, uh, realize that there's probably suggestions and subtle things that they've been pointing out that you might have a weakness in, but you're just too blind to uh, focus on that because you feel like you already have that information.
2: And I think it's one thing to give your opinion. And then it's another thing to be defensive as to what you're arguing about. Like, I think you should always be, this is my point of view. You might have a different point of view, but this is where I'm coming from. If you have something... New to share or something different to share, I'm I'm open to hearing from you and learning from you. But um your opinion is your opinion, and this is where I'm at. So I'm happy to learn from you. And that's how I go ab- about approaching things.
3: I think it's especially true for like anyone who's your mentor. Um, I I've learned the hard way and the smart way of how to acquire and retain mentors, and I think if there's a suggestion. You can't be defensive to it. You got to just kind of take it because it might take a year, two years for that suggestion to really click in your mind for what that message was intended for.
0: Yeah. I would also add that I think some a lot of it is like the trust factor of the person that you're taking the that's giving you that constructive criticism, because um, if you have that, if you, you know, most people want to do a great job. Right. And, they are looking to showcase, like, look, I learned all this stuff, this is what I can do. I don't think, I think most people's intentions are to do more good stuff (laughs) than not. Um, And so if you're on the receiving end of this constructive criticism, it could take a blow to your ego. However, if you, especially when it's someone that you really, A, respect and, or B, trust, and Ron, for you know, that's coming from your mentor. So that person's only trying to make you look good because when you look good, they look good. They look better. It's like, oh, look at all my mentees, you know, like it is, it takes, it's such joy. It's like raising kids, right? So they do better (laughs) and you're like, yes, like they did what I said, they did, you know? And so when you have a mentee, especially in the mentor is like, hey, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And you see that person flourish um, or you tell them, hey, you're a know-it-all. Oh, you have like, you know, you're you you you're not, you, I'm asking you to do this and you're not doing it. Um, and I, you know, we're, I think most of us still get that today. Like we can still, because it's always growth. There's always continuous growth. Like I'm working on a project right now where, again, it's like out of a, out of a, a, in a space that I haven't been recently. I used to do it years ago and I got back into it. And it's been, you know, some years and stuff. And getting the coaching every, you know, constantly, like, hey, Renee, like, this is not what we're looking for. This, is, you know, and the changes and stuff. But it just helps you grow. It helps you become, like, a better, in my case, it's helping me become a very, a much better um, recruiter. It's helping people in whatever space you're in, helping you just get better and see, like, this gap that you may have that you, A, either aren't focused on right now, aren't paying attention to and, you know, if you do throw in, like, if if I, I'm just not arrogant, I'm like, okay, you know, I want to get to the end result. So, okay, like, let's make these changes. Um, but if you tend to, um, and I think this comes with just experience as a whole, but, you know, when you're, when you don't have as much experience and you take that and you look at it as like a knock to the chin versus a real like, hey, let me just put my reps in, get better at this thing, and it'll make me overall a better person in my career overall so
1: yep no that's perfect renee i think that's absolutely perfect someone on the stream just said uh, ego should be taken as a challenge to improve and move i think that's great thank you ashwini also uh christina Richmond. hello christina vulnerability is strength and community is
2: key and i couldn't couldn't agree more
0: absolutely question for the
2: for the group on uh, Rene's feed, yeah, Terrence was asking, w- what do you guys prefer, uh, to be a jack of all trades or a craft of one?
1: That is, That could be a whole <laughs> show on itself.
2: <laughs> that is such a
1: good question. Oh my gosh, that's a good question. I want, I want someone else to go first on this one.
3: <laughs> um,
2: me, personally, I, I, I like to master in a couple areas, but then have a a large breadth of knowledge so um, both <laughs> yeah well i know because i think if you're trying to be a jack of all trades like right. you spread yourself way too thin i yeah. think you do need an area specialization like you specialize in threat intel um, renee specializes in recruiting but she does a whole bunch of other things like and for for myself the same way like i, I specialize in security but i also have the help desk experience i have Uh, I love the coaching and development side of things. Uh, I think as you grow in your career, you realize that you do need a little bit of everything to be successful. And if you limit yourself to just one, you'll pigeonhole yourself really quickly into a role and you might not ever get out of that.
1: Yeah, that's really good. I I would add. Oh, no, go ahead, Renee.
0: Yeah, I would add that from, you know, when I talk to, I talk to leaders all the time about filling positions, right? And typically, they do want somebody that has expertise in one thing. Um, Excuse me, they will ask you, or they like it when you're well-rounded, but it's usually that some one area, one domain, one space where they're really, really looking for that expertise. Then, they can say. Then they'll say, "Oh, you know, it's nice to have if they have these other things." So I would say this is what uh, a mentor, my former CSO, who um, loved Larry Sobers, I'll call him out here. So he was a former CSO over at um, at um, at uh, Freddie Mac, and I could tell my story. Actually, this is a good segue into telling my story because it's all kind of like blends together. Perfect. So. Most of you all know me, I'm in, talent, in the talent acquisition space, love uh, and, and mine goes, kind of goes back to high school too. It's kind of funny. Somebody asked me recently when I, I won a CV award a couple years ago um, and it was a, for women entrepreneurs and, it, and they asked, what do you when did you start recruiting? And I had to think back to high school. and I was always the person in high school who knew about the jobs. I just knew where to find jobs, how to fill out the applications, what they were gonna ask, you know, how to answer, how to get in. So this is the '90s, and I'm getting my friends 15 and 20 dollars an hour jobs in New York it was, in high school. We're like 16 years old, so it's crazy. And when they asked me, it took me all the way back down. Like, wow, I've always been recruiting. Like, I didn't know that this was a thing. I didn't. You're know born anything. for it. <laughs> I was literally born to do this. Um, another thing I always add in which is hilarious is so when I was in like elementary school they would you know I would get A's and stuff and it's like oh Renee's doing a great job Renee's doing a great job and the the always the area for, for improvement was she talks too much in class. She talks too much in class, right? And I and I say to my mom to this day, I was like, see, you used to beat me up over this. And now all I do all day is talk to people and learn about them in their careers. So children out there, parents out there, stop beating up on your kids for the things that they do, because that's likely their talent and their gift. So with all of that, was doing it in high school um, but also my dad um, is a was he passed away last year but he was a um, computer science um, professor and he taught over the years so he got us our first computer when I was like maybe I don't know eight nine ten back in the days so had this combination of love 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 math love like computers computer science all that kind of stuff and then also this like you know, personality and talking to everybody in class and wanting to learn about everybody's lives and all of this other stuff. So went to school, got an undergrad in information systems. So went down kind of like more of the project management type side, business side of technology. Um, But then got into, again, get into my first role and immediately started helping with like hiring the interns and hiring all this stuff. So like my day job was a PM and then my side hustle at the company <laughs> was hiring people. Like, oh, so the I remember my boss. He was like a, a boss, um, not really like a direct boss, but kind of like a um, like a dotted line. Like I was working with him on trying to get people out of NYU. And at the time it was so funny. He was like, you literally took over the whole thing. Like I didn't have to do anything. Like I I told them, Hey, you know, you don't, don't serve crew to take to serve pizza. You know, this is what the kids want. This is how you get the best talent, all that kind of stuff. And so helped with the internship program, which then led to getting me into HR. So HR took notice all this other stuff. Long, very long story short is I ended up in um, a technology recruiting company um, and really honing the technology recruiting space and I had no idea that there was a world of technology recruiting like I didn't know that people went to school for (laughs) for degrees in this stuff and everything else and like I ended up flourishing because it was just a passion it was innate so you know and continued on from there so then eventually got up to move from New York to DC area Um, and started in this, when I moved here in 2011 is when I really started focusing in cybersecurity space. I had done technology recruiting probably for like 10 years, but never, nothing in security had no idea what any of you all did. I joke around to this day that I say incident response. I would say incidents, like what's an incidents, (laughs) incidents response. So all of these different terms, it was completely brand spanking new to me. And one thing that I say, especially I know recruiters get beat up on all the time. And I say I was that person, like a lot of these recruiters out here, especially the ones that are more junior, they have no idea what any of this stuff is. They, they It's just like words on a piece of paper and it's all jumbled and it's almost like speaking a different language. So what I did at the time was connected with all of the leaders that were hiring all of you people, the intel, the, you know, the IR, like all of that stuff. I was like, break this down to me like I'm five. Like, I can, I don't know what this stuff is. What do I look for? What does the resume say? All this kind of stuff. Long story short, they kind of adopted me. They were like, oh, wow, she's great, you know? So I, I was sitting with them. At the time, this is physical. So I'm going, I'm sitting in their office meetings. I'm learning what they're talking about. I'm kind of getting a little bit of understanding of what it is. Fast forward a couple, um, you know, a couple years later, they plucked me and they said hey you did this great work for us the CTO took notice different people were taking notice like wow we had zero candidates now we have all these candidates this is great why don't you come over and work on something more global did that for IT then um my um former CISO Larry he was like hey why don't you come over to our area and um kind of be like a program manager so I want you to do some um work on projects that that are on the side of my like on falling off the side of his desk so he had a bunch of work that needed to be done that the engineers obviously that's not their area of expertise like all the different all of you different folks that you're not like pms he's like why don't you come over here and do this work and help me out he's like however one of the things that he said that resonated he's like you won't nobody in here is gonna respect you if you don't understand what they do so he put me in the sock he made me like say he's like you're gonna learn this stuff so I sat there and I was a sock analyst and I saw learned Splunk that's how I connected with some of the Splunk buddies that you see come on so learn Splunk got in the, in the in the team with the guys and everything mostly guys and really understood what it was like to be a security professional. I call myself a baby security professional (laughs) because I was in there in the trenches and I Mm -hmm. saw, and it really, it really, really made me a better recruiter because now I'm seeing the turnover. I'm seeing what people are getting pissed off about. I'm seeing like, wow, look at this industry where people are mad. Usually people in their jobs, they're mad and they complain and like they stay, they stay, right? I see people. They're mad, and then next week they're like, "Okay, I quit." I'm like, "Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! You were mad like last week. <laughs> what are you talking about? Because the industry was so hot, you know." So, to that, to to you know, to get to the point of how I got here, and that's how I got here, and then eventually kind of like went out and started doing it for my for myself, doing um you know my own, my own consulting, working on people's projects and cybersecurity stuff and all that. So that's how I kind of like got to to where I am today. And one of the things that I'll say all the time is taking that 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 mentorship, that understanding the community, that being a part of the group and really interacting and building the relationships is so key. The first couple, off the first couple contracts and stuff that I got, it was all from people who I knew. It was exactly. all people that were like, Oh yeah, of course. Why wouldn't we? You know, why wouldn't we bring you on because you filled all our positions at this company? You did all the work over here. Like we know that the work that you do, we we experience it. We know it. So of course we're gonna bring you on. Um. So having that, um, having all that background and doing all that and working with all these people and continuing to drill in in your space and in your and and growing in the community is just huge. It's like. I couldn't have put this together if I wanted to, <laughs> Like, you know, you just fall into stuff. And then next thing, you know, I'm like, Hey, Chris, we need to start a podcast. Come on and <laughs> be a part of this thing. And then he jumps in and here we are today. So that's my story. I can't even remember what the question was led to the story, but that's the story.
3: I I didn't know that you were a security analyst for a little bit.
0: I was, I was in there sitting right next to everybody. (laughs) I wrote out incident response manuals. I mean, I sat there, it was this guy, his name is Frank. He's so, he was so much fun. I mean, it was just, it was a lot of fun for me and I have four brothers. So I am like, when it's guys and like, it's just, it felt like, like here we go again, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just like so much fun. And it was so awesome to see everyone work together. It was interesting to see the type of work that they do. And I hear this, that you all do. And I hear this a lot from, a lot of times from leaders too, like especially people on the executive space that have come up through the ranks. They'll say their CTO, their C-suite executives, these board members, they're like, they don't even know what we do. They don't even understand, you know, they don't understand the intricacies of this, of what I do on a day-to-day basis. Right. And it's kind of fascinating. It's on the one hand, it makes sense because if you're a board member and you're doing all these other things, um, you wouldn't know. And as a, a typical standard, you most recruiters, you you just don't even f- fully understand what's happening. Um and the different skill sets. And even, I mean, it just continues. Like what I learned in 20, I mean, it's 2020. So 2011, 2012, 2013, that's all outdated probably now. And it's on to whatever else is new. So um, so yeah, I was a stock analyst. I got my yep. buddies at Splunk and I got all my friends, <laughs> my friends out there. I got a, a a a program um incident in in um uh what do you call it? Uh, insider threat program manager certification. Mm-hmm. Oh, another thing. This is to answer the the question they came across with broad versus narrow, another space or like what to focus on, because that tends to come up often too. What I tell people is what Larry had told us. He was such a great mentor. He said, think about go into the CISSP book and think about all of the domains that are there or go through them. He was like, you know, you don't have to read it through and through, but just go through the domains because as as we always say, right, it's a, what is it? An inch thick and a mile wide. So, you know, it's a little bit of everything in there and see what resonates with you. And so see what you want to dig into more. And what was interesting about when I started looking through like the book and I was like, oh, I'm not really overly excited about this. I'm not overly excited about that. One of the projects that I used to have to do is at the time I had to put together a threat brief and share that with the executives and say this is what's happening you know, every week. What's happening in the financial services world and present it. And so one of the things that I kept seeing over and over and over again were that most of the breaches were insider threats in one way or another. So I was like, oh, wow, this is interesting. You know, I got my HR hat on. I'm like, hey, why is it that every breach that's coming across has something to do with a contractor, something, you know, accidental or not, but most of the time it was something going on on the inside, like some vulnerability, something or another that led to these things happening. So long story short is I started digging in more and more in insider threats and I would go to him and be like Larry 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 why aren't you working with HR this is ridiculous we should be connected with HR like HR knows where the bodies are buried HR knows you know like all of the things that you would be thinking about from an insider perspective and it wasn't something that the engineers they're not thinking about any of this stuff you know right. so it was like that perspective of bringing the two together that really, really, really made me want to focus on um, in the insider threat space. So again, it goes to that kind of like going back to, A, looking at what interests you, looking at what, you know, like what are the things that you are s- so passionate about that you can't put the book down, you can't stop, you can't, you know, all of those things will lead you to what is a good place for you in security and um, help you with that um, that depth. So,
2: so yeah, we we what
3: I- a question uh, from... Uh, Derek on the live stream uh, he asked kind of relating back to the CSSP and the depth of all the information in there the certification Trump raw talent no. negative <laughs> yes, <laughs> what, what about what about in the beginning when you're first starting um like there's there's some times where you oh. might get looked over even though you have the talent but the certification might match a search term?
2: Well, so the way I look at it is when you're in the beginning, the certification shows that you might have a base level of knowledge, right? And to get past some of the automated searching from the ATS systems over in Renee's world. Um, But uh, outside of that, like once you get to a real person, if you can't speak to the field that you're in, even though you have that certification, um, I'd say you get dumped right then and there.
0: Yeah, it's a, certificate. So great for, it, it's kind of like you go to school, you get a degree. So you get your bachelor's and you get your master's in cybersecurity, you know, like Chris has on his wall, it does not show that you actually can put your hands on, can do the thing. So people say all the time, um, Experience trumps all and it is the truth. Experience, if you actually can put your hands to keyboard, to a keyboard and do what it is that we're asking you to do, that trumps certs, it trumps degrees, it trumps everything else. However, when you're new and you're trying to break into the industry or you're segueing into the industry from a different industry, having a certification shows that you have a certain body of knowledge to Chris's point and that you understand um, that you have a baseline knowledge. You know, everything that Chris said, you you have the baseline knowledge, you understand what's going on, you understand the terminology, you're not coming in completely blind. But the effort that people sometimes people put into a ton of certs, I would be putting into actually doing what it is that you want to get done. What do you guys think?
1: Yep. No, I, I agree with that. I think, you know, people do look for certifications. That's true. But they also look for technologies right what technologies are you comfortable with what are you proficient in if you have a list of all the technologies that people are looking for from a technology technology perspective some something's gonna highlight to that the hiring manager to the recruiter uh to show that like hey this this person's doing all this stuff they might not have any certs but they might have the requisite skill set that we need for our role
2: so speaking of technology like it changes every three months like you could be a master at this one tool and then this new tool comes out six months later and that's the new hottest thing like Mm -hmm. do you really want them to be focused on something that's tool specific or maybe have the methodology in mind to know how to use any broad set of tools to get the right answers
1: i mean it really it really depends because Sometimes there is only one technology in a, a specific space and then, but once they learn like the basics and how to, you know, what is the decision logic behind it? And then something new and hot comes out, then maybe they'll be able to adapt. And one of the, the things that I said, I say quite often is one of the best skill sets you can have is mental agility and cybersecurity. So being able to go from one computer language or one technology and use that knowledge to transfer to another. And so, yeah, you, you can, you know, dive deep on different technologies, but now you're working on the skills of learning those technologies, just like languages. If you learn two or three languages, what's another language is you, you already have the skills to learn quicker than somebody that focuses on something else.
0: Yeah. Kelly wants to know, what about if you have the opposite? She knows someone who'll be good in cybersecurity but needs help navigating in. They're currently studying criminal justice.
2: I would say for someone in criminal justice, like um, doing threat hunting, doing insider threats, doing anything where you need to pull on a string to get more evidence to find what the next part of the threat is like Mm -hmm. that that could be even um malware reverse analysis or that could be um a sock analyst that is now not really the lower part but at the higher part of of, um, the sock where now you're really combing together all the different um, pieces of evidence to see like was this a one-off was this happening multiple times across the organization is this a larger part of the threat landscape or is this just specifically targeting your organization?
1: Threat Intel. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: well,
0: hey, hey,
1: real, real quick, I, I actually wanted to go back to Renee's story for a second, because I think it's such an awesome example of the craftsman slash craftswoman mindset, because you, you had your niche of building relationships and recruiting people, but then you started to reach started to reach into the technology space and that's that's awesome because there are some people that focus on recruiting and that's all they do they just get really good at that and that's completely fine but you wanted to take that next level and actually be somewhat of a practitioner and i think that's awesome for people to hear
0: yeah it, and it's such a it's just such a unique experience and i have to say that i was given opportunities to by like again building relationship with the leaders there. So they would be like, what do you want to do next? You know, but it got to because the prior work had shown so much, you know, like they had so much results from the other things that I had done. They're like, oh, we think you'd be a good fit here. We think you'd be a good fit there. So it's kind of putting in the work, you know, in your space, again, getting that niche, understanding what you do really well. And then those other opportunities that they come up and they're like, well, you did this well, kind of Chris, to your point with the, Learning the languages. Oh, she did this really well, and she did that other thing well, so she probably could come over here and do this too. You know, and then being able to get in there um, and learn and be a part of that team, like be in the team, it's like completely different than being a recruiter on the other side of the wall. Because the retention stuff, like I really, really where what my real passion is around is a part, part of like retention. Like, what does it take to retain teams, like really building teams? Some of the stuff that Dr. Dan and I talk about um, on Mondays is around coaching, the coaching mentality, the team mentality, you know, what good bosses do. You know, somebody like Larry calls me tomorrow. He's like, hey, I have an opening. (laughs) I'm like, just shut everything down and go work for Larry. You know, like we all know that you get to a certain point where you just, you work for the person like whatever, most of the time, you know, obviously they can't just go, oh, I'm starting a restaurant, you wanna come cook? But if it's something (laughs) in the space, you're likely going to follow people who were amazing, who were drivers. And he wasn't, when I say he wasn't like an easy person, like he challenged you, he gave you work, like you came home and you had stacks and stacks of things to do, but it just made you a better person. It made you a better, more efficient um, person and there's many of them. There's John, Skill. I mean, there's so many people that um, have afforded various opportunities. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a really unique experience, and it's cool, and I love it, and I love, love, love um, all you folks in security, as you can tell, um, and love bringing in new people into the field and, like, helping them navigate how to get in. So
2: Speaking of retention, most of the times people leave bad managers or bad leaders and not the job itself.
3: Yep. There's no 100%. such thing as a bad team. It's just bad <laughs> leaders, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can get the team member kicked out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's on the leader. It, it, He's got to do it. It's a bad culture. That's, that's,
0: <laughs> yeah, and one person, <laughs> one person can make that culture bad. So Corey Lancaster says, Chris C., do you need a lawn guy? It's beautiful out there. It's 32 degrees in Virginia. I have a mask. Corey, uh, we all going out there, Corey.
1: <laughs> it's beautiful. Hey, any, anytime anybody wants to come out, come on out. Let's hang out.
2: <laughs> be, careful, be careful what you put out there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you got to find you me have, first. You
2: gotta have all of Virginia
0: over at your house. So Layton's making a couple comments, too, because Layton, he's my other partner in crime, and he talks about his work over at Layer 8 helps you to understand the day-to-day struggles of people I recruit into the cybersecurity subdomains. So Layton is another one of those uh, one of uh, you know the unique gems out here that do y'all know Layton? Chris knows Layton. Do I? Okay, no. I got to connect you. We got to connect you. We got to connect you with Layton, but okay. Layton is one of these um he's another awesome cybersecurity um super recruiter. We got a, a, a little crew um and he does awesome work. A, a lot in the cleared space. A lot a lot of he does. He has 600 open cleared positions. So anybody with wow. clearances
1: there you go. Oh,
0: reach out to Layton Holcomb. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> reach out quick,
1: to him. Yeah. Quick question from uh, Byron Davis. Uh, he says, how do you determine what level you need to learn in a specific topic, beginner, intermediate or expert? Does it differ based on where it falls within the process? I think that's uh, it highlights sort of what uh, Renee's story was about you know, she had this, you know, an entire spectrum of recruiting ability. And then she had, you know, this much of practitioner like mixed in. Uh, What about you guys? What do you think about how, how do you know how much to invest in, in a particular topic?
3: What about you, uh, Chris F?
2: Uh, How much to invest in a particular topic? I think that depends on like your interest in a topic. So, if it's something that i'm not really interested in i want to get the foundations so just enough to be able to be able to talk to it and have a a solid conversation about it and not feel like i'm just bsing it um, but if it's something that i like that i'm interested in then i tend to dive deep and try to find out a, a little bit more about it and that that comes back to your well rounded piece. As you grow in your career, you, you, you dig into these little spots throughout your career. So as you grow, you tend to find out a lot more about a lot of things.
3: Yep. So also, I was I was curious on how you got into cybersecurity also. Me?
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> in, the, in the seven minutes that I have left, um, <laughs> let me try to cram it in. I, I grew up in the Caribbean, uh, so not many folks know this, but um, not a lot of tech down there, at least back in the early 90s. Um, hard to get stuff there. Taxes were over 100% to import a computer. Um, but my parents had a business, so I was fortunate enough that they had a computer supporting that business. And I might have been like six or seven. And we had a, um, a computer report r- repair person on the island. And she came by the business and she was like taking it apart. And I'm like, ooh, what's that? And ever since then, I was hooked. Um, but I was also a business person at heart. So I kind of had those two competing interests. Um, as I grew up, became a teenager, still on the island, I would spend my summers at her internet cafe which was also her computer repair shop and i would be this was just before xp came out i was create building new computers helping repair computers like that really got me interested in it but as i moved to the states and i started doing high school and everything like that like i just saw on the news at that time there was like a glut of um computer science degrees like even on CNN, they were saying, like, oh, this space is, like, oversaturated. I was like, okay, well, let me let me hold off a bit. Like, I have my business skills. Um, l- let me focus on that for a bit. So that's why my first degree is in um, business versus computers. But then when, when the economy crashed in, like, 2008, I was like, F it. Like, if I'm going to work hard for something, might as well work hard for something that I like. So I quit my sales job at the time and um, invested like six months of unemployed time using all my savings at the time to uh, go through like a a computer training school, kind of freshen up my skills like I had it, but it was always a passion, a hobby of mine. Um, But yeah, so from there, moved up in help desk, became a leader, like running the help desk running an IT space. And then I started to see, like, all these poor um, security practices, both at the organizational level, at the personal level. So then I started just like, hey, how about this? How about that? And then as I started to research more in the space, I was like, ooh, I really like this space. So (laughs) then I started to focus more on that. and That 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 was, like, almost 10 years ago now. Um, And then I was like, I want to know more about this space, so not for like a job or anything, but I went out and got my master's in it because when you get to the master's level or even the PhD level, it's all about the information. It's less about practicality, but really diving into those subjects and learning more about those subjects, which is a misnomer that a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to go back and get a master's and expect to get a a hands-on job. Like those two things are not the same like it's one thing to know about the space and how it operates at a theoretical level versus how it operates at a hands-on level so you can't come out with a master's degree and expect like you're going to be hired for a hands-on role um but yeah that's kind of my story like i i love the theory about it i read a lot about the different aspects within the industry as a whole like there's so many different things like I love to understand the theory and apply it where I can so that's why I find myself as a consultant um, problem solving for people's different things from all the theory and experience that I've had um, along the way
1: fantastic that's a great story I didn't. I didn't know all that about you. That was that was
2: awesome. Wow. That's why I call
0: him a fake white guy when they're like, "Oh, the white guy." I'm like, wow.
2: <laughs> yeah, she's my brother. She's my sister from another mother. maybe
0: I'm wait. I got to drag out one of those old jump up, jump up videos on right.
3: <laughs> I know. There's probably a lot that we don't know yet.
2: <laughs> Luckily, social media wasn't, wasn't that popular back then.
1: <laughs> oh, man. This has been another great conversation. I almost say next week, let's t- dive deep on that jack-of-all-trades versus a master-of-one because I really love that question. Uh, I have some great, great insights into that and uh, some good personal stories. So, uh, yeah, this is great. Uh, we got to keep doing these.
0: Sounds for like sure. a plan, For sure. There's been some comments coming through. I just want to make sure I say, Cherie says, um, love Chris's story. Chris F's. Everybody loves your story. Um, and then China says, if you haven't been able to get into an entry-level stock and security due to no experience, should you try for a regular help desk role? We typically Absolutely. say yes. Usually we say yes. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to make, to share a couple of the comments that are coming through um, because there's a lot of chatter going on, but we're at the 51 minute mark. So, you know, we got to get back to work. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> all of us got to get back to work here. So I know Chris Cochran, you were saying we're going to next week. We talk, we're talking, um, um, not Jack, on of Jack of all trades, master of <laughs> master of all trades, master of none. Come with your questions. <laughs> we're trying to figure out a good time, but it's kind of tricky because we all have day jobs. So we're trying to squeeze in when we could do this. Um, so we will make it. Oh, and we're getting chats from LinkedIn from um, from. Um,
1: YouTube? Yeah, that, that's the Byron question I, ah, I read. Yeah.
0: Awesome. I yep. <laughs> like that. Got to kind of spread this out. Next, next week, maybe we'll take <laughs> this on Facebook, too. This is yeah. quite, this is all go everywhere. everywhere. We, we had a few other questions Exploding. we didn't answer, too.
3: <laughs> there was a question from Chris uh, Rathke uh, that I'm going to follow up in a DM uh, with you, Chris. He said, any strategy in intentionally avoiding certificates to filter out Hiring companies that do, that don't have the power to look past the HR paper qualifications. Mm.
2: Sounds like a deep question to have. That is a yeah. deep question. That, yes. That's a
3: question that I'm gonna follow up with Renee on because she probably has an answer on that one. Oh yeah, I'm sure she does. Yeah. I gotta jump. Love yeah, we Talk to we you gotta
0: right. we gotta jump. So yes. next week we will follow <laughs> up. We'll start with that pressing question.
1: Yes, indeed. Yes.
0: All right. Well, thank you everyone. Breaking into cybersecurity and hacker valley studio mashup breaking linked in once again, once a week, every Friday at <laughs> Sometime. <It's a> sometime.
3: <laughs> <how I'm> right. <laughs> Bye everybody. Bye, Bye everybody. Awesome.